welcome back to America Can We Talk. Debbie George Addis again. This is our uh, best of interviews tonight on this Sunday, April 15th. And I want to give a quick introduction to the interviews you're going to hear this hour. Probably the top news story in America ever since President Trump was elected. In fact, prior to his election is the, and it's hard to even capture it in a small number of words, is the Russian collusion, Russian dossier, uh, Fusion GPS, FBI, Department of Justice, McCabe, uh, FISA warrant, uh, all of that controversy. And the reason I think it's just I, I chose this topic in tonight's first five, in our in tonight's you know, special interviews is because in all of American history, this is the largest scandal that has ever faced an elected administration, the largest scandal that American people have ever watched unfold in Washington. And it is incumbent imperative on the members of Congress, of the House and the Senate and on the American people to insist that we get to the absolute bottom of this of this controversy, because the controversy was never about whether President Trump and his team colluded with the Russians to win the 2016 election. This was a hoax story concocted by the Hillary Clinton campaign, by the Democrat Party and in complicity with members of the uh, FBI, the Department of Justice, deciding that, number one, during the campaign, when it came to light through an inspector general, that Hillary Clinton had not followed federal law or federal protocol. She set up a private server in her home. She endangered national security secrets and national security assets, actual people working undercover around the world. She endangered all national security secrets that came across her email for the four years she served as Secretary of State by setting up a private server in her home, no protection. Other people are in jail for having done a similar thing. But there was a decision within the uh, FBI that Hillary Clinton was simply not going to be held accountable for her conduct. On top of that, when Hillary Clinton and her team chose to hire Fusion GPS, to come up with a smear campaign story against her then political opponent, now President Donald Trump, candidate Donald Trump, to come up with some story to make it sound as though he had colluded with the Russians. And this whole Christopher Steele, Russian dossier story got concocted and then uh, and then ended up having a FISA court issue a warrant, numerous warrants, actually, because you have to renew them every, I think it's 90 days, renewed three got a warrant renewed three times to basically authorize the federal government through the FBI to spy on Donald Trump and everyone affiliated with his campaign to try to see if they could come up with something to make him look bad. This is what the scandal really is. The scandal was not whether Donald Trump colluded. The scandal was the use of the national security agencies, the FBI department of justice in collusion with the Hillary Clinton campaign and her team deciding that they were going to do everything they could think of to try to destroy Donald Trump's candidacy for president. So where we sit right now on this, where we sit right now is we have a um, a, a the president has let one counsel an attorney go and has another attorney advising him. And Robert Mueller, who is the special counsel appointed to look into this case, Mueller and his team have been requesting documents and receiving documents from President Trump. And as any good criminal defense attorney would tell you, you do not cooperate with the prosecutor. 
the idea that Trump's team has now, they've acknowledged, turned over about a million documents to the Mueller team. The Mueller team being made up of a series of attorneys, every one of whom is somehow a Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, sycophant, bootlicker donor. These people are, this is not a serious investigation. This is not a serious effort to come to justice. This is an effort to take down the duly elected president of the United States of America by the Democrat Party because they cannot believe their chosen uh, woman, Hillary Clinton, didn't win. This is what this entire scandal is about. And if we do not have the backbone, the tenacity, the determination, that just a, if we're not resolute, about insisting that we uncover every bit of wrongdoing within the FBI, the Department of Justice. We are surrendering one of the most precious gifts the founders gave America, which is the rule of law. We have a government in Washington that's supposed to be governed by the Constitution, supposed to apply the rule of law to everyone. And we're going to be saying, if we let this go, that if you're Hillary Clinton, if you're in the ruling class elite, you not only— don't have to comply with the law. You have no consequences for your failure. And, and you know, the reason, by the way, in case you lost track of this, Hillary Clinton did not want to use a server protected by the Department of State while she was Secretary of State because then all of her communications with all the folks that she's playing games with and taking money from and the Clinton Foundation would have been subject to Freedom of Information Act requests. So the two interviews you have coming up this hour, John Guandolo, former FBI agent, great fun Fabulous interview talking about what procedures are supposed to be followed inside the FBI when you pursue a FISA warrant because he did it. He did it many times and he served in the FBI. He knows what the process is. And when you realize what the process is versus what the Democrats did, you recognize this was a witch hunt for President Trump from the start and America better stand up and fight against it. The other interview coming up in this best of in the second hour tonight is of Sidney Powell, a woman named Sidney Powell former U.S. prosecutor, youngest prosecutor ever named, is she uncovers so much about what really happened inside of the FBI, what crimes were committed in this effort to destroy Hillary Clinton and to be sure that Donald Trump could not win this election. Don't go away. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. 
The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Can you hear us now? Can you hear us now? The song of freedom is crying out. Can you hear and welcome back to America Can We Talk? As I mentioned before the break, we have a great guest in our studio, John Guandolo. He happens to be a family friend. He lives here in Dallas, but he's also a very accomplished former member of the FBI, former agent in Washington. And the reason I wanted to have him come in tonight, I actually happened to have him on a a different show that I um, did last week. uh, And we talked a little bit about this FISA warrant process. And at that point, the memo had not been released. But here he is tonight. I want to have him start. First of all, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I would love to have you tell our listeners 
What, because in your time at the FBI, you actually filled out FISA warrant applications for uh, in order to seek to have the FISA court issue a warrant. What's involved in the process when you do it the right way? Well, I think um, to, to start, I'd, I'd like to just kind of lay it out for your, uh, for your listeners and your viewers. Um, so <laughs> FISA, uh, F-I-S-A, is Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. So it's an act of Congress. It's lawful. Um, the FISA judges are real judges. There's not a fit. When we talk about the FISA court, we're talking about the collection of the judges because there's not a building they all go to. These are federal judges that come from the federal bench, including the appellate bench, chosen by the chief justice of the Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court oversees it. So it's lawful and it's constitutional. And that's the first thing. Uh, and I bring that up because there are some who consider themselves patriots and conservatives in the United States who think we should do away with the FISA court. And that would be devastating. And, and I'd like to explain why first. So the FISA court was established uh, specifically to keep uh, from the from the, the government from actually doing unlawful surveillance on citizens. So the whole reason it was created was for the exact opposite reason that people are thinking it needs to be done away with. It is constitutional, and what it allows federal agents to do is simply do the same thing we do on a Title 18 warrant, but do it lawfully in a classified setting under Title 50. Um, So here's how the process works. I was a supervisor at FBI headquarters, um, and during that temporary duty as a, as a headquarters supervisor, I was the affiant or the individual that swears out uh, the affidavit for a warrant, in these, this case, many FISA warrants. Um, it was actually a joke. After my time was up, I got a certificate that said, FISA man, because I had done, I had done so many. So you're really an expert. Yes. I, uh, well, I certainly had my, my share, but here's the process. And this is, I think really important for Americans to know that agent in the field would contact his or her supervisor at headquarters. And in this case, I'm obviously using me as an example. So the region that I covered as a supervisor, those agents that wanted to get a FISA would contact me and say, here's the case summary Here's the affidavit. And then what I would do is work with that agent literally line by line because I have to swear that what's in this affidavit is true. And my professional career, everything's on the the line. And so we would literally, uh, both over classified email and phone calls, would make sure that I'm satisfied that every single thing. And you need to understand, some of these FISA warrants are over 100 pages the affidavits. This is no small uh, task for an agent in the field or anybody involved. Then once I'm, um, I've once we've got that agreed to, then I work with a Department of Justice attorney and with Department of Justice officials. There is a cover sheet on the affidavit that has to be signed off by DOJ. Um, and in addition to that, the FBI director himself or the deputy director. And in certain cases, his appointed, uh, an appointed person, but normally it's the director, um, has to read it and sign off on it 
himself. Let me ask you something. Does the director ever say to you, hey, John, you're the one that reviewed this. Why do you believe, how, what's the evidence on this? Why do you believe this is true? All the time. There were several cases um, because sometimes because of the nature of the FISA warrant, there were times when we had to literally work continuously to get one approved because of some uh, important event or threat or something like that. And so it's not wasn't unusual to be at the FBI director's home on like a weekend. And yes, he'd read through it and he'd say, give me more information on this, this fact or give me more information about this source. Uh, how long has this source been working with us? What do you know? Now, these are questions I had already gone through with a case agent. So I, I knew the answers. But I mean, this is it is incredibly intricate and uh, very detailed. Now, once the FBI director has signed off on it, the Department of Justice has signed off on it. Now I go with the DOJ attorney into the judge's chambers. And now the judge goes through it and will ask questions and may send us back to get answers. And then eventually the judge signs it. And so here's here's a couple things. One of the questions I get a lot is, why is the, how come for all the applications for FISA warrants, almost all of them get approved and people have mi- uh, said it's just a rubber stamp. Well, if anybody heard what I just said in the last five minutes, it's not a rubber stamp. By the time that affidavit gets to the judge, it has been through such a screening process between the agent himself in the field or herself, the supervisor at FBI headquarters, DOJ, the FBI director, and then the judge. So, of course, most of them that get to the judge are going to be approved, the vast majority, because of the process. The, so that's those are the first two things I wanted to get out. The process is lawful and constitutional. It is a rigorous process that is needed uh, for our national security, and it's important. But then the third thing with relative to the current events, and I'll let you ask the questions, it, it helps people, I think, without me even answering further questions, understand why in the case of the memo involving Christopher Steele's dossier on Mr. Trump, why that was so wrong based on what I just shared. I do want to get to that. I, I love and thank you so much for that detailed explanation. I think it does clear up a lot of rumors that fly that flew around about oh they were just slapdash issuing warrants. There, so somebody or somebody's inside the FBI and above them in FBI and Department of Justice had to have followed this process you described or or corrupted the process. But either way, the process Correct. was supposed to have been followed. Correct. Okay, so on the um, on the particular thing we're talking about here, the other kind of preliminary point I wanted to make, my little lawyer head is going to this, but, you know, when you, if you have a system like this, and the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act is about either you think a citizen is a spy, and so you're spying on the citizen, that's at section one or article, whatever it is, article one kind of, kind of spying, or there's the other kind where you're saying it's a foreign agent who lives here, but that person, foreign agent, is interacting with Americans. So you're really surveilling this foreign agent, but you just happen to pick up some communications with regular Americans. And the only reason it's relevant is they claim Carter Page, the one that, for whom they against whom they got this warrant. Uh, he was it was an Article One. He was alleged to be a spy, which which is rather astonishing. At least by the in the memo it says that. The other thing that was really interesting in the memo was it was making the point, you know, how you come in America to trust the justice system is because there are two sides presented. Every time you go to the judge, the plaintiff has a lawyer, the defense has a lawyer. They go back and forth and back and forth. This is no back and forth. This is one party 
the FBI going to the FISA court to get this warrant, which means the FISA judge has an, has an especially important obligation recognizing there's no one there representing the one they're trying to get to. So he's got to be sure, double sure that this the law is being followed, there's a fairness, there's an accuracy here, because there's no one else weighing in on that at the time of the issuance of the warrant. That's right. So two things. That's a That's a beautiful point to make. Two things. Number one, the legal standard is probable cause. It's not a shadow beyond a shadow of doubt. It's probable cause. And that's a relatively simple um, legal standard to meet on these kinds of cases. Uh, When we're talking about FISA, uh, when we're talking about American citizens or foreign agents, um, we're talking about counterintelligence and counterterrorism investigations primarily. They don't have to be. But even the, the financial uh, and economic and intellectual property cases we're talking about, those are generally counterintelligence cases or can be. Um, so that's the first thing is the, the bar is probable cause, regardless of whether there's uh, a, an attorney for the uh, subject of the investigation, which there never is. It's the same thing when we get a warrant, a search warrant or an arrest warrant. The legal standard is probable cause. Uh, the the other thing I I would just like to say is nowhere in this case with Mr. Trump, with the dossier written by Christopher Steele and paid for by the DNC and Mrs. Clinton, has anyone alleged that there was any impropriety by the FISA judge? That's- okay. And at that point, I'm going to jump into it. We've got to go to a break. But I'm, I hope you're loving this as much as I am. Debbie George asked, America Can We Talk, John Guandolo in studio. Come right back after our break. nation faces a choice the path of big government based out of washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in texas for 27 years the texas public policy foundation has helped leaders in the lone star state prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all the texas public policy foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty free enterprise and personal responsibility whether informing the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. 
So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. There's a lot of talk today among media, in academia, in our culture, about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers, it's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. Okay, I have in studio, I hope you've been listening tonight, I have in studio John Guandolo. He is a former FBI agent and a supervising agent in Washington. And the first thing I wanted to go through, because I think this this issue, it is so much bigger than whether or not some people in the FBI had a slightly faulty application for a FISA warrant, even whether they use a political thing for it. It just really, it, it gets to the core idea of whether we have a rule of law in Washington and that everyone's subject to the same set of laws um, and that we have the courage and backbone to investigate when it appears that things were done that were improper. And that's what I want to turn to next. So first of all, I'm just curious, John, what, so this past Friday, Devin Nunes, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, decided uh, over the protests of the Democrats in Washington to release this memo, this four-page memo that laid out what he felt were to be there were improprieties um, in after years or year or more of investigation and calling witnesses before his committee, improprieties in the way the um, FBI went about applying for the FISA warrant. So, did you have overall was it a bad decision to release the memo? Good decision? What was your sense of it? Uh, I think it was a good decision for two big reasons. Number one. Um, for those who argued it could damage America's national security, I don't know how our national security could be damaged any worse with the level of corruption, uh, sedition, and treason going on 
at the levels of our government. So uh, that's the first part. The second part is as important that the American people need to know the truth. Uh, the Amer- American people are smart enough and savvy enough uh, to understand. And it's what separates our system from all others is that the openness in our system, it doesn't mean we're foolish with sensitive material and sensitive information. This is something, and I, the other thing is I think this is the tip of the iceberg, but this demonstrates that there was willful perjury on the part of DOJ and FBI officials. There was sedition, in my opinion, by these officials, which means that's likely there's also treason. And that goes for a director, Comey, who perjured himself, committed crimes, and people need to go to jail and be punished for this. Okay, let's. Uh, I I'd love to get back to those conclusions. And and I I mean those those thoughts because I I may not be with you on treason. I can go with sedition. But anyway, let's get back to what was so wrong with what the FBI did in this case. And remind our listeners very quickly. Hillary Clinton, during the course of her political campaign, hired Fusion GPS, a smear campaign research company. They hired Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele composed, seemingly out of thin air, perhaps he did some research, but composed a dossier which was full of allegations uh, about uh, President Trump, now President Trump, claiming essentially that he was subject to, uh, he committed wrongdoing in Russia and subject to blackmail. So that dossier, written by a British spy, became the basis, what what was the big issue released in the memo was, that became the basis for the FBI's application for a FISA warrant in this case. So what's wrong with that? Uh, More things than we have time to discuss, but let me hit the highlights. Number one, the FBI and DOJ, according to the memo and according to other information, presented that knowing that the information was not only false in and of itself, but knowing that they were intentionally withholding information from the FISA judge that would have discredited the information that was already in that they knew was false. That That's a crime. You're, per, you're perjuring yourself when you swear that what's in here is true when you know it's not. The information that was omitted that the uh, investigation has demonstrated, the DOJ and FBI knew to be true, and they omitted it because they knew by omitting it, it will give the FISA warrant the best chance of getting signed by the judge. This is incredible. This is incredible. I mean, what a deviation from the process you were describing in the last segment. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is like, there's a there's a bit of a battle going on about, you know, the memo is claiming the Republicans are saying that the FISA court uh, never was told, for example, that this was uh, paid for by Hillary Clinton research, that it came from a, um, a a British spy, that they hadn't been able to verify virtually any of it. They have It was unverified by them. All of those, is that the kind of thing you're talking about when you say that there were omissions in what they filed? That's right. I mean, the first thing is they didn't admit that Christopher Steele himself was was demonstrated because of what they knew even before this of providing false information. So he was not a credible source for this kind of a, a thing. That right there is a huge deal. You would never put a statement of facts or a fact from a source uh, into a FISA warrant if the source had been discredited or demonstrated that they didn't have credibility. I'm telling you, one thing that came out, and I don't, I can't remember, I mean, there are a lot of sources, and i tell you folks, if you're listening, you go to americacanbetalk.org, many of the links, were ta- the stories we're talking about, I have links up there, but specifically with respect to that issue you were just mentioning, 
uh, Christopher Steele had mentioned to, and I don't know which person it was involved with the FBI, but had mentioned to them that he really, really, really did not want to see Donald Trump president. He would do anything to have Trump not be president. I mean, president. Doesn't that by itself just signify almost overwhelming, uh, non-credible bias? It it does. But the other thing I would say is that... uh, um what we see from people in the FBI and DOJ involved in this, they also had that bias. Uh, okay. Well, and speaking of bias in the FBI, I do because I'm, I'm glad you're here to counter what um, we're going to play next. But there was a, a clip that was – now, naturally, CNN goes to find the one FBI agent who, you know, hates President Trump and loves <laughs> – <laughs> loves Comey and all that. But there was a clip from this FBI guy named Phil Mudd played on CNN, and I believe we have it ready to play. So the FBI people, I'm going to tell you, are ticked. And they're going to be saying, I guarantee it, you think you can push us off this because you can try to intimidate the director? You better think again, Mr. President. You've been around for 13 months. We've been around since 1908. I know how this game is going to be played. We're going to win. Okay, that is... If you didn't realize what I said before we played the clip, that's a former, a retired FBI agent, Phil Mudd, well-named Mudd, name, as in name is, and he uh, is on CNN essentially threatening President Trump that you want to pick a fight with the FBI, you're going to lose. What's your reaction? How, how much foul language can I use on this? None. <laughs> let me tell you, Phil Mudd is a turd. That's what he is. And let me, let me explain this to you. Um, when I... Put together, first of all, when he was, he was the executive assistant director of the FBI, okay? So he's not just some guy. And before that, he was an assistant director in the FBI. When I put together my first training program in 2006 on the Muslim Brotherhood, Islamic threat, and all of that, we intentionally brought Phil Mudd in on the second Monday after the entire audience of FBI, CIA, DHS, police, local police, state police had gotten five days of what this threat's all about, and then brought him in because I wanted to, I wanted to show a contrast of FBI leadership versus the facts of the real threat on the ground, and he got peppered with questions about why isn't the FBI designating the Muslim Brotherhood in or pushing to do so in 2006. What ends up happening is he's sitting there with his cup of coffee, and he's like, okay, goodbye, and he walked out. And he got followed to his car, to their credit, by both uh, federal, like Capitol Police, uh, another federal police, and local police, peppered him with questions like, sir, these are real threats. What are you doing? And when he drove away and everyone came back in the room and settled down, I just, I looked at the class and I said, that is what we're dealing with right there. Okay. That story really buttresses or ties into what we're, we're saying about him right now. He doesn't want, it's like fingers in the ears, la, 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 la. I don't want to face reality. I don't want to face a threat in the Muslim Brotherhood. I don't want you guys telling me something I don't want to deal with. In this case, he doesn't want to deal with the facts in front of him on the memo and all the evidence because it makes the FBI look bad. And he just rather say, la, 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 I don't want to hear it. Well, and but you've got him literally, as you said, he just threatened the president of the United States. I mean, I'd love to see the Secret Service put handcuffs on him. Anyway, I mean, this is just, it's such arrogance. And what he's not saying is the director of the FBI, both Comey and Mueller, but let's stick to Mr. Comey, perjured himself. This, uh, at a minimum, 
what happened here with the dossier was perjury by an FBI supervisor at headquarters and a DOJ official. You've got tampering with a federal election. And when I said treason earlier, this is sedition because these actions are done as a part of a larger movement to overthrow the United States government. The duly elected president. Absolutely. That's treason if you hold office or you, you've sworn an oath to the Constitution. Okay. And on that note, I will tell you something else because we have just a few seconds left in this segment. I did look up this Phil Mudd. I couldn't believe the things he said. This threat to the president that we just heard played. He also, in the he's obviously a big anti-Trump guy. He was out previously with a statement relating to the travel ban, which he didn't like. He called it, I'll say it nicely, bass backwards. Um, he called the Trump transition a clown show. And he said labeling the Boston attacks uh, as an intelligence failure is absurd. This is Debbie Georgias and John Guandolo, America Can We Talk. Come right back. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs get the answers and if necessary legal protection from first liberty institute first liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in america in fact first liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90 percent of their cases they've won at the supreme court all the way down to local schools 
Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. to enjoy that music. I love, love, love our bumper music. Can you hear us now? It's just really <laughs> fabulous music. But we're in studio. If you're just joining us, I'm so glad we have in studio Sydney Powell. Uh, her book is right there. If you're watching on Facebook Live, is Licensed to Lie. She is a prominent uh, federal prosecutor, has done, uh, was the youngest federal prosecutor ever appointed. Uh, she's worked in the Justice Department. Her Licensed to Lie book exposed reads like an amazing uh, fiction, work of fiction, and it's a true story about what was happening inside the FBI during the Enron case. But we're talking about Robert Mueller's ongoing special prosecution or special prosecutor role. And, I mean, just to recap what we were saying, there was so much um, what was wrong or out of line with how the FBI conducted itself that ended up getting a, um, it, the ability to charge Lieutenant General Michael Flynn with lying to the FBI, which, as I've said before, is a crime, even if now under penalty of perjury, you can't lie to them. So, But it appears from his case having been moved to a new and more honest judge, he may be able to withdraw that guilty plea. That would be so great. That'd be so great. Okay, next thing we were hitting on was, um, and then now we have this indictment, and a lot of people, oh my gosh, this is great, they finally got Trump. They don't not only have not <laughs> Trump, they don't have anybody. These are Russians who, I guess, were... I mean, what kinds of things were the Russians doing here? Well, the indictment tells a great story that I would commend to everyone's reading to understand what some kinds of things the Russians were doing to influence this election. I mean, they were using uh, other people's identities, creating Twitter accounts, uh, ginning up uh, what appeared to be grassroots protests against Trump, all kinds of different things that they were just using to foment trouble and discord which is one of the, their favorite tactics. They, they committed identity theft. They committed bank fraud. They committed wire fraud. Uh, I am also sure they committed fraud in their visa applications. They got visas Almost got from the Obama administration <laughs> yeah. uh, to come in the country to do a lot of this to begin with. And, but I don't see a charge for visa fraud in there, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. You know, this whole, I mean, and, and again, as we we're saying for the break, all these Russians who've been indicted, uh, 
uh, are living in Russia, and they're not going to come back here to stand to face charges. So maybe the indictment was just to give the American people some reassurance that we, the Mueller uh, team, are doing something, because what it really seems to be distilling down is the major allegation that got the whole thing started was that President Trump and or, and or his team were somehow colluding with the Russians to interfere with the 2016 presidential elections. And, and yet again, evidence... there's absolutely no evidence of that, which Not Rod Rosenstein conceded essentially in his press conference the other day from DOJ when the indictment was announced. They have nothing. So that kind of leads to, which is really kind of an interesting, interesting thing, because the other aspect of all this we've also talked about many times is what appears to be actual wrongdoing inside the FBI with respect to to achieving the issuance of a warrant from a FISA court judge by filling out an affidavit largely relying on a, a, a you know. Totally concocted piece of crap. A, there's a good term. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good. Yes, a, a hoax. It was a smear job <laughs> thing done by Fusion GPS and Christopher Steele for the Hillary Clinton campaign. And that appears to be the basis to get a FISA court warrant. We had John Guandolo in here. If you actually, if you weren't listening two or three weeks ago, John Guandolo was in here and went through the way you're really supposed to do a FISA court application. Oh, it's a massive process. Everything is supposed to be first verified by the FBI, independently verified by the Department of Justice. And here you actually had the upper echelon of the FBI and the Department of Justice collaborating with Fusion GPS and this Christopher Steele character to create a bunch of falsehoods to get a warrant. It is unfreaking believable. Okay, I love your, your I, I'm so glad you're here because <laughs> I feel like I'm almost, I, I, I lose my ability to come up with impactful enough words to portray. This is, this is a political corruption of what should be. It's the, criminal conduct. It, it's, yeah, it's criminal. It's, I mean, my word was conspiracy, whatever it is. Yeah, it's a criminal conspiracy. Forget all this talk of collusion, which I always found out an outrage anyway because collusion isn't a crime right Right. the crime is a criminal conspiracy and there was a criminal conspiracy here within the fbi the upper echelon of the department of justice and fusion gps and probably also this group called crowdstrike to put together this whole false narrative and get a fisa warrant which is fraud on a court it's false statements to the court it's uh it's perjury it's obstruction of justice Yes. And, you know, I even had John Guandola, that I think, I don't know if you know him, but John Guandola is an FBI agent, a uh, former FBI agent. You know, he was saying, if you're conspiring to try to remove the duly elected president of the United States, that's, um, I guess he was saying treason. I don't know if it's treason, but it's getting close. I mean, you're, you're colluding against the American people. You're it's, what we th- it's what lots of people think of as treason. It's certainly what the president thinks of as treason when he uses that word in tweets. But the treason statute is much more specific, and I believe it requires use of force. Okay, sedition. Maybe that's the charge. Same thing. I think oh, it, it requires also requires force. Uh, involvement okay. of force. And, of course, we don't have any of that here. But I assure you there are plenty of other federal offenses that apply. And, and, you know, if we don't, um, as I say on the conservative side, we tend to roll over too easily. If we don't hold these people accountable, it's not just that they got away with essentially, uh, you know, just flooding President Trump's first year in office with headlines uh, based on a farce they made up. So they're they're impacting his ability. They're they're stalling him. And the millions of taxpayer dollars that have been wasted for this, the upheaval, the diversion of of resources and energy and effort, it is a, it, it just blows it's my a mind. Crime. It is yes. a crime in more ways than one, and there are people sitting in our prisons right now for far less than that. 
Okay. That uh, yeah, I'm very glad to have you and your expertise saying that. Okay, I do want to turn though to this other question. So, and I think you and I talked about it once on another show, and I uh, was. Uh, so lucky to be able to interview you, but you talked about how the original issuance or the choice to have a special counsel appointed, Robert Mueller, to investigate collusion with Russia, it failed from the outset to meet the standards of federal, the federally required standard, which is there was no crime alleged against President Trump. Isn't that right? Yes. If the Department of Justice can't identify a specific crime to begin with, they're not supposed to appoint a special prosecutor. And here Rosenstein just gave him this carte blanche blank check to go look for whatever he wanted to look for. So he starts by going back 15 years on Paul Manafort and Rick Gates. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think there's a businessman alive who could survive a 15-year scrutiny by 17 federal prosecutors, a grand jury, and I don't even know how many agents into all of their business transactions to see if they could find a federal violation to pin on them. Exactly. And, you know, even the things that were, are smaller, like, you know, two years ago you were in a meeting and, you know, who suggested this first and what was said? <laughs> who you? I can't remember yesterday in a sequence of conversation. Did I say that? And so the notion that you could trip someone up, which is the process charges we worry about, the the obstruction or, conspir- or uh, perjury. Or the false statements to the FBI when they're interviewing you. Yeah. Um, the, these get very dangerous. So, but I want to get, so we have now the recognition by more and more people that there really wasn't a legitimate basis for the appointment of Robert Mueller. In fact, at the time people were saying, this is very open-ended, the way it's worded, kind of, and anything else you happen to stumble along. So, but people hear Paul Manafort was indicted. But again, is anything that Paul Manafort was indicted for in any way implicate the Trump people in colluding with the Russians in the 2016 election? No, I think it all predated his involvement with the campaign even. Oh, and that reminds me of something else. I was By say. years. By years. Another point that I think uh, President Trump made in a tweet was that this conduct that was alleged in this Russian 13-person uh, indictment began in 2014. And as President Trump said, I wasn't even in the race at that time. Right. And my book came out before 2014. So it has not, I mean, in 2014. So it has nothing to do with President Trump either. It just happened to be extraordinarily prescient. Okay. Are you going to write another book about this? Uh, I've got a lot to write when I have time. So far, I'm still so busy talking about this and all the articles I've written for the New York Observer and the Daily Caller. I mean, two years ago, I called for the appointment of a special prosecutor to investigate the countless crimes of Hillary Clinton. And then as soon as Comey and Lynch whitewashed it, I knew exactly what was going on there. So I have another one that went viral on that. And they're my twinned, pinned tweet, which is, by the way, at Sidney Powell, the number one. I was going to, yeah, Sydney, her uh, Twitter feed at, uh, at Sydney, which is S-I-D-N-E-Y, Powell, P-O-W-E-L-L, the digit one, and really full of links to everything she's written. And I do want people to go to read your daily caller things. But one last thing I want to get to, because we're always going to run out of time too quickly. So... The notion now and being talked about is, well, maybe Robert Mueller can get President Trump on obstruction of justice because either because uh, President Trump suggested that maybe they should let things go with Michael Flynn um, or it was uh, was he his termination of, of Comey as FBI director. Could that be obstruction? I mean, I, I'll tell you, folks, if you go to America, can we talk? There is a great article up. It's Andrew McCarthy article. Uh, is there an obstruction case against President Trump? Very compelling. But what's yep. your take? I agree with with Andy, there's no obstruction case here. He's entitled. He's the president. He has control over the executive branch. He was entitled to fire Jim Comey. Hillary would have fired Jim Comey. Everybody on both sides was calling for the firing of James Comey, and it doesn't matter why he set out to do that. 
Right. He could fire him because he doesn't like the color tie he wears. And he could, anything. Exactly. And nothing happens, certainly, to impede any sort of investigation. Obviously, we've spent tens of millions of dollars on this bunch of hooey. Yeah. In fact, although he did uh, uh, relieve um, Director Comey of his duties, he didn't in any way say and shut down the Russian investigation. No. I mean, he's gone on and on and on. On and on and on. Okay. So the other obstruction angle, uh, and this is, be- I'm going to get all this out there, folks, because I do urge you when people say, well, there's got to be something there, or you hear people thinking somehow Mueller's come up with something, it couldn't be obstruction. I mean, and I, I will say this was actually floated in the news. There, that there was a uh, contemplation within the White House by President Trump to whether he ought to fire Mueller as the as a special prosecutor. They just talked about it. I mean, so could that be obstruction that you thought about firing? A spe- I mean, no, seriously, no. I mean, that that would be just an incredible stretch. I have thought about firing Mueller countless <laughs> times. I have advocated for the firing of Mueller. That whole task force should have never been put together in the first place. So what is the way in our uh, less than a minute we have left, what's the right answer that should moving forward should happen to to put this all behind us? Is there a... Well, in the absence of absolutely any evidence of the Trump campaign con- conspiring with Russians to do anything, uh, I think the Mueller investigation should be given at, at a minimum a very short time limit to wind itself down and stop the waste of taxpayer resources. I think it's to the point where Attorney General Sessions could undo his recusal. Obviously, shaking hands with the Russian ambassador was not a problem, and there was no crime there, and we could... You know, have a Department of Justice that functions again like the Department of Justice should function. And there are a lot of heads that need to be rolling and some prosecutions that need to be happening for the people who actually did commit crimes here and made up things to try to impede and obstruct the president of the United States. Sydney Pye cannot thank you enough for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, Truth About America.